The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, the Spotify Green Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversation that you listen to here every single day and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast like this one. Download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join my group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E. It's, uh, I don't know why they didn't let me use D period, but they didn't. So follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live every Wednesday, 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, and join me when we go live every Wednesday night at Club 34-7. What's going on, everybody? Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Hanukkah. I think Hanukkah's over already, but you get the idea. Happy Holidays. Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Bears Talk Underground. And, uh, you know, I guess I'm in a, I'm trying to pretend to be in a jolly mood because I'm, uh, despite uh, how I may sound, I'm uh, under the weather and other the wonder, under the weather to the point that I am alone for Christmas because I did not want to get the rest of my family sick. So I'm riding solo uh, in Cedar Rapids, unfortunately, and, um, you know. Maybe I'll make it, be able to make it home for uh, New Year's and stuff like that. Fingers crossed. But um, anyway, thank you for sharing your holiday with me. We're here to uh, preview week 16 between our beloved Chicago Bears and the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, both teams struggling mightily this year. Uh, that would be an understatement, especially for the Seahawks, who uh, people were expecting, you know, I don't know about big things, but definitely a hell of a lot better than five and nine. That's for sure. Uh, going into this uh, late December uh, matchup. And um, uh, like I told our guest, uh, Michael Sean Dugar, yesterday, um, I wasn't expecting, you know, much from the Bears this year as far as wins uh, and losses. It was really the, you know, drafting Justin Fields and and uh, Tevin Jenkins that had me excited about what could be uh, this year. But I certainly wasn't expecting, you know, the Bears to tear it up and make the playoffs again or or anything like that, but I also wasn't expecting four and ten. That was, you know, I was thinking at worst we'd be seven and ten, which is still mathematically possible for us, but I don't see it. But you know, so it's um, we 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 got two teams that are are not where they thought they would be at this point uh, in the season. Could quite possibly both be blowing things up and starting fresh uh, in twenty twenty two. I think the Bears are definitely like 99.9% headed in that direction right now. And, and the Seahawks, I think it would depend on, on how these things uh, finish up. But the rumor mill with, with Wilson not playing there in 2022 has already started up again. And, uh, uh, you know, Pete Carroll's pushing 70. So how much longer is he going to coach and, uh, and everything like that? So it's, it's an interesting situation. It's, it's a football game between these two teams that means – really nothing to either one. And, and, and this wasn't what I was expecting for this matchup. I thought, you know, it would definitely be uh, you know, a bad game for the Bears because, you know, you got the 12th man in Seattle, one of the most treacherous team places to play 
uh, football uh, in the NFL and a, a team like Seattle most likely challenging for a division title could possibly be playing for seeding uh, and things like that. But instead, uh, you know, their fan base is probably out there halfway wanting them to lose so that they could get a higher draft pick in the, uh, in the draft. Do they have a first round pick this year? I, I wonder if they're, if they're done with the Jamal Adams trade, cause they gave up two first rounders to get him. So I wonder if they still got another, if they're missing another first rounder for that, or if, uh, if they're done with that, but Anyway, we got news and notes. We got keys to the game and uh, everything in between and a partridge in a pear tree. So let's go ahead and get started. This is the week 16 deep dive preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Week 16, our beloved Chicago Bears travel up to the Pacific Northwest to take on the Seattle Seahawks in um, what are they calling that place now? I was going to say the link, but that's Philadelphia. Anyway, I think it is something Lincoln financial, something I, I I'm pretty sure that's Philadelphia, but I think there's something Lincoln involved. It doesn't matter. The, the home of the 12th man is where they're going to be on Sunday. Uh, when the bears and Justin Fields, hopefully we'll talk about that in a minute. And, uh, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, uh, meet up on Sunday afternoon. So it's, it's the late game, the three o'clock game. Those are never, I don't have, I, I don't, I never like it when the bears play on the West coast and they play at three and it's just, ah, I'm, I'm a noon Sunday guy. You know, I don't, I don't like it when they play on Sunday nights. I don't like it when they play Monday night, Thursday night, noon Sunday. That's when I want to see my bears playing. And, uh, you know, so I'm done at three and then I got the rest of the night to myself and what have you, but, uh, we got to suffer through this. 305 kickoff, I think, uh, out there in Seattle. And, you know, it's uh, like I was talking about there in the open. It just, this is not where either team thought they would be at this point in the season, especially the Seahawks. Then I think at, at worst, they were thinking maybe nine and five, not five and nine, uh, you know, challenging for a division title and, and you know, possible playoff seeding, you know, in a, in a cakewalk game against a not very good Bears team. Uh, you know, as their own Christmas present to themselves uh, kind of thing. And even though they are still favored to win this weekend, I think they're six and a half point uh, favorites uh, in this one. It could very easily turn around on them and and go the opposite way. I mean, that's that's how this season has been uh, for them. You, you guys heard me run it down well, when, when we talked to Mike Dugar yesterday that um, – you know, they, they started off looking like themselves week one against the uh, Colts and, uh, you know, Russell Wilson threw four touchdown passes and, uh, you know, they handled what has turned out to be a very good Colts team uh, on the road uh, week one. But it's just like week two started with the loss week three. They, they lose again on the road at Minnesota. Uh, they, then, you know, a couple weeks later on Thursday night football, not only do they lose to the Rams to fall to two and three, but they lose Russell Wilson with that uh with that finger injury on his throwing hand they lose him for you know as we talked to Mike 6 to 8 weeks and he's like now nah, I'm going to come back in 3 to 4 and you know to Russell Wilson's credit he did but uh has not been effective in that time and unfortunately playing behind an offensive line that is not very generous in protection um cuz that that was the one thing that kept sticking out when I was going through the games and looking at the stats was Oh, you know, we'll look at um, Geno Smith, the backup quarterback, you know, who was starting in Russell Wilson's uh, place. 
you know, he was 19 of 26. That's a pretty efficient day and like only 190 yards and, you know, threw a touchdown pass, no picks, but he was sacked five times, lost like 30 something yards on those, on those plays. Okay. Fast forward to the, the next week, same thing, 21 of 22 of 31. Okay. Not a bad day. You know, maybe like 215 yards passing, uh, you know, also maybe through another touchdown pass or no touchdown. Maybe he ran one in kind of thing, five more sacks. And the week after that, he was sacked three times. I mean, even when they lost to the Jack or when they beat the Jaguars 31 to seven, the Jags sacked them four times. It's like, what's going on with this offensive line? And then when I looked at the team stats, the Seahawks are the team that's nipping at the Bears' heels because the Bears, thanks to their, you know, like nine and seven sack performances against the Buccaneers and the Browns, are number one in the NFL for sacks allowed. Justin Fields has been sacked 44 times. And Russell Wilson and Geno Smith combined have been sacked 42 times coming into this Sunday's game. So um, there's a very good chance that Robert Quinn might be able to break Richard Dent's record on Sunday, let alone, you know, because he's a, a sack and a half behind Dent's record. And he's got 16. It's 17 and a half is the record. He could probably get them in the first half uh, with the way that this offensive line has been protecting. So it's really going to come down to our offense and being able to close the deal. Because uh, and <laughs> you heard me talk to Mike about it today or yesterday. Uh, I was listening to the Hogan Johns podcast uh, this afternoon, and it breaks down to here's what the Seahawks do. They have one of the best scoring defenses in the NFL, which is to say they don't allow a lot of points. They give up a lot of yards, so between from the twenty to the twenty, they'll you know they'll give up a lot of yardage, but they they cinch up in the red zone, and that's where they're giving up field goals instead of touchdowns. Well, whose offense does that sound like? You know, that's us. You know, for 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 everything that didn't go right on Monday against the uh, Vikings, we were able to move the ball up and down the field pretty efficiently, but when we got in the red zone. You know, I know officially we were one for five because we scored a touchdown on the last play of the game, but more officially we were 0 for 4. Well, came away with nothing. In four trips in the red zone, we came away with one field goal. And that's going to play right into Seattle's hands on that one. So not looking forward to that. We'll talk a little bit, a little bit more in the keys to the game. Let's start off with the uh, news and notes here. Um, you know, I thought this might be clickbait, but when I read the, when I saw the headline, I knew I had to click on it and, uh, read it because it was, uh, the headline was Jermaine Afidi defends, uh, pushing, uh, Tevin Jenkins. And I was like, oh, I got to hear this. So, so I pull it up and the funny thing is it reads just fine. Like his reasons for, um, Talking to to Jenkins or, or like what he would have what he was saying to Jenkins was appropriate, you know. It's like we we want to do those kinds of things the right way. We can't afford to give be given up fifteen yards, and you know that's yardage we can't get back because then when you're deep, it's you know you don't have a play in the playbook for that. You're you're counting on the defense making a mistake to be able to convert and blah blah blah, and, and you know with the way we're struggling, things that we can't afford to have those things happening. We can't afford to do that. And that message is fine. Like I stated before on the bear up, bear down show on the review episode. I even talked about it a little bit. Uh, I believe yesterday uh, again with uh, the, the whole situation, 
I didn't have a problem or I don't have a problem with Jermaine Afidi talking to Tevin Jenkins and telling him those things. What I had an enormous problem with, and still, because he's got no leg to stand on here, was putting his hands on Tevin Jenkins and basically embarrassing him, not only in front of the crowd, but in front of a national TV audience like that. That was 10 steps too far. And that's where he was wrong, 1,000%. He wasn't wrong in, in correcting the rookie or telling him, you know, let's, let's you know, think of a better way to do that. Let's just, on the next play, we'll make him pay for it uh, kind of thing uh, and what have you. Also forgetting that Tevin Jenkins didn't throw the first punch. He was, he, he was caught as the, you know, the, the ominous second guy. Because go back and watch the clip. Tevin Jenkins, it's number 98 that he's getting into, getting into it with. And they're in each other's face, and, you know, they're, they're going back and forth. And then here comes number 90. I don't know who that is. But it was 90 that threw the first punch that hit Tevin Jenkins, and Jenkins retaliated with him, which was his right after being struck the first time. But, you know, I've, I've said it 100 times in this podcast, you never want to be the second guy. And it's always the second guy who gets caught. It's always the second guy who gets flagged. And in that instance, Tevin Jenkins was the second guy. So, I mean, if he had just gone up and gotten the guy's face and nothing happened after that, we wouldn't be talking about this. I mean, we'd still be talking about it and be like, good for you, Tevin Jenkins. Where the hell were your teammates? You know, why weren't there five guys over there getting in everybody's face and, and all that kind of stuff? But instead, you know, it became more of a headline that Jermaine Afidi tried to make Tevin Jenkins look like a fool shoving him back into the huddle and all that kind of stuff that he can't defend the message and what he was trying to deliver to the rookie. Absolutely. But in, in this case, Afidi needs to take his own advice and find a different way to deliver that message as opposed to shoving and putting your hands on the kid on the field in front of everyone like that. There's no excuse for that. None whatsoever. So um, I had no problem with the message. I had no problem with him wanting to deliver that message, it was the delivery vehicle of the message that I and pretty much anyone I've come across has had a huge problem with that he can't defend. And I don't and I read the article. I don't I don't remember him trying to defend him putting his hands other, other than saying it was tough love. Uh huh. Sure. So it would have also been a you know tough love if he to reach back and elbowed you in the throat for, for pushing him like that. Asshole. So anyway, like I said, I, I had no problem with the feedy, um, correcting the rookie and, you know, trying to tell him to be more disciplined and, and things like that. But I had, had, will have, and <laughs> had, have, and will have, uh, a huge problem with him putting his hands on the rookie and doing that, doing that to him in, in the middle of the field like that for everyone to see. I mean, even if it had happened on the sidelines, I wouldn't like it, but at least that's, you know, a bit more shielded a bit more private if you will as opposed to like that would have been something that maybe we saw one replay of coming back from a commercial break as opposed to that happening live in front of everyone and now it's everywhere you know what I mean that I did not appreciate at all and um yeah like I said Jermaine Afidi should take his own advice in uh you know delivering a message maybe find a better way to do it next time instead of embarrassing the kid on national TV like that. So 
now we're into COVID news, and there's plenty. Um, here's the good news. Over the last three days, we've gotten seven guys back off the COVID list. Seven. Uh, today on Thursday was uh, Andy Dalton and Mario Edwards Jr. That'll be a nice uh, boost to the defensive line and Andy Dalton being the backup again. Uh, Eddie Jackson, Sam Kamara, and Larry Borum back on Wednesday. So we get our starting right tackle back so Jermaine Ifedi can take his sorry ass back to the bench. And on Tuesday, Artie Burns and Duke Shelley came back. So there's your seven guys right there. But, but on each of the last three days, we've lost somebody to the COVID list. Tuesday, it was Bilal Nichols. Wednesday, it was Jesper Horstead. And then today, God damn it, it was Akeem Hicks. I don't know the vaccination status of any of these players. I am hoping that they are vaccinated so that they have a shot to... uh play on Sunday, especially Akeem Hicks. Because Bilal Nichols, losing Bilal Nichols but getting Mario Edwards back, that's kind of a, a thing that kind of cancels itself out thing. You know, it'd be great to have them both. I would prefer to have them both, but Mario Edwards in, Bilal Nichols out, that's, you know, we, we get a push on that one. But losing Akeem Hicks, especially with the way he played on Monday against the Vikings, this is a guy we want to keep out on the field. And uh, so I'm hoping that he can clear protocol and play on Sunday uh, because we're going to need all the help we can get to win uh, on Sunday. So fingers crossed he's vaccinated. Fingers crossed we can get him back. It would also be nice to have Jesper Horstead out there because apparently all he does is catch touchdown passes from Justin Fields. That would be nice. And then play him, Nagy, you bastard put him out there because it seems he's got some chemistry with the rookie may want a guy like that out on the field but those three guys Nichols Horstead and Hicks uh joined the the players still on the COVID list Ryan Nall uh Allen Robinson Isaiah Coulter Jesse James uh Joel Joel uh, EA Buniway Jalen Johnson and Tashawn Gibson so still half of our uh starting secondary is out there and um you know, that's uh, one, two, three, four, ten guys on the COVID list by my count. No, Robinson, Coulter, three, Jesse James, yeah. Seven, seven and three is ten. Yeah, there you go. So haven't heard anything about um, Laser or uh, Chris Tabor yet as far as, like, if, if they've come off the list. Haven't heard if, if they've come back yet. But um, anyway... In, in brighter news, uh, Bears-Vikings on Monday night was the most watched. This is kind of an obscure stat, but we'll take it. The most watched Week 15 Monday night football game since 2011. And because I didn't have anything else better to do, I looked it up. The Week 15 matchup in 2011 on Monday night football was the Pittsburgh Steelers at the San Francisco 49ers. Both teams were 10-3 and going into that game. So a far cry from the divisional matchup between the f- uh, four and nine Chicago bears and the six and seven uh, Minnesota Vikings. So, you know, take it for what you will. Uh, this was the best rated game week 15 on Monday night. Since then, uh, by the way, San Francisco won that game 20 to three in San Francisco. So 
like I said, I just did the research. And then uh, finally, before we get to our other injuries, uh, official, I, I think I've mentioned this before, but uh, Robert Quinn, Jakeem Grant Jr., both uh, elected to the Pro Bowl uh, this season. I mean, Robert Quinn, no big surprise there. Uh, Jakeem Grant, in a conference with Cordero Patterson, very surprised to see that Grant got the nod uh, over Patterson because, um, um, you know, Cordero still Cordero. He should still be in a bare uniform for Pete's sake because, uh, you know, he took less money to play in Atlanta or at least less than he was paid in his two years in Chicago. He made $5 million a season uh, in Chicago. He signed with Atlanta for three. We couldn't give him $3 million. But let's keep Jimmy Graham, though. Let's keep Jimmy Graham. Let's give Andy Dalton, you know, $10 million. But uh, Cordell Patterson for three, a guy that's, you know, <laughs> who's effective in multiple facets when – you know, we probably still didn't know what's what about Tariq Cohen. Yeah, why not? So Cordero Patterson was was snubbed as the special teams player for the NFC. Jakeem Grant taking that one. And speaking of snubs, they snubbed Roquan again. I don't know what the hell Roquan has to do in order to make the Pro Bowl. Um, I know that the inside linebacking core of the NFC is is a crowded group with guys like uh, Fred Warner and and uh, you know and you know of those likes uh, out there, but uh, he's the fourth leading tackler. He's the fourth leading tackler in the entire NFL. He's got a few sacks. He's got some pass breakups, some tackles for loss. He's got uh, a pick six. Granted, it was week two, but you know Roquan's about as effective as they come. And trust me, he's one of those players that every single one of our opponents, when they hit the when they break the huddle. You locate number fifty-eight. You find out where he is. So then you know who, where you know how to you know the, the fifty-eight right there. He's the Mike. Let's go get him, uh, kind of thing. Locate fifty-eight, just like on, on Monday against the Vikings. Find ninety-six. We need to know where Akeem Hicks is so we can run uh, Dalvin Cook away from that monster. So I don't know what Roquan has to do. Uh, maybe he needs to add more sacks, you know, or, or in, you know get his hands on, on more balls as far as uh, interceptions and, and whatnot. I don't know what else he needs to do. I mean, he's a middle linebacker in Chicago. That's a, <laughs> if you do, if you do that, well, it's a pretty much an automatic ticket to Hawaii, but I guess not. So we'll try again. And maybe he's, and I don't even know what, what his, like if he's an alternative or an alternate, I should say, uh, maybe he's, you know, first off the bench or whatever, if somebody doesn't go or, or what have you, but he should be on the team, period. It shouldn't be a question of him getting added on later. So, And then finally, in our injury news, um, Xavier Crawford and Jakeem Grant not practicing yet with uh, concussions. Uh, Jason Peters still nursing the ankle, hasn't practiced yet. Apparently, Justin Fields tweaked his ankle in the second quarter of the Vikings game. He was limited yesterday, did not practice today. I'm hoping that's just some soreness as opposed to him, you know, aggravating or whatever the injury. Uh, Good news about Marquise Goodwin. A, he's still on the team, in case you didn't know. Uh, But he was limited on Wednesday, full go on Thursday. So all signs pointing to us actually getting him back on Sunday. Eddie Goldman with a finger. uh, Darnell Mooney with an ankle. Roquan with his hamstring. Kyrus Tonga with the shoulder and the uh, off COVID list, Andy Dalton 
with his left hand slash groin all full, full participants. So looks like we should get all those guys back as well or keep them on the field in the case of like Mooney and guys like that. So that is our injury report. The only one that we really need to keep an eye on, uh, maybe Jakeem Grant, you know, getting him back on special teams. He is a pro bowler after all. And of course, Justin Fields. Hopefully that's just, you know, they decided to give him some rest. Maybe he had some soreness today or, or what have you. So, you know, it's just an ankle injury. Let's not do anything to aggravate it. Take the day off. We got Andy back, so he'll take the reps or something. I don't know. But hopefully that's not serious. Um, nobody's acting as though it is, so it would be surprising uh, for him to miss the game because of that ankle injury. I doubt that he will, though. So anyway, that is going to do it for news and notes. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. We'll give it to our sponsors, and we'll come back. Keys to the game. Wrap this bad boy up. <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, Spotify Green Room is free, audio-only social media platform for sports fans. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Talk with other sports fans, insiders, athletes, and executives in real time. Join in on conversations with me at Club 34-7 and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast. I'll be hosting rooms every week. Uh, for Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Come through and talk to me live on Club 34-7. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live. And again, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, you can join me on the Spotify Green Room for Club 34-7. Come in, let's have a conversation, let's talk bears, let's talk whatever you want. But in order to do that, you got to download the Spotify Green Room anywhere you get your apps. <laughs> Keys to the game for week number 16. I'll give you three guesses as to what the first one is, although I don't think you're going to need it because it's been the same first key to the game for I think about seven or eight weeks now because it's been a running theme for our beloved Chicago Bears to take part in their own destruction week in and week out. I mean, this is a football team that has lost eight of its last nine football games, and that lone victory was over the then-winless Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving, and we needed all 60 minutes to do it. We hit a walk-off chip shot field goal to win that game, 16-14. to pretty sure that was the score but you know that's the one game that we've won in the last nine weeks and um you know otherwise we've uh, been doing things that have cost ourselves these victories whether it be the defense not holding up its end when the offense needed a boost or you know just holding firm get the ball back or you know hold on to the lead kind of thing and then, of course, you have the sacks, the fumbles, the uh, penalties, and, and all that kind of stuff. It's hard enough to beat any team in the NFL. It's even more difficult when you have uh, when you can't stop beating yourself along with the other team. And then, in the Bears' case, uh, the referees like to get in on the fun uh, as well. So you know, the Bears are up against three opponents uh, as opposed to just the one. So uh, you know, they're going up against the team they're facing. 
themselves and the goddamn referees. It's making things difficult. No wonder we're four and ten. But uh, we're not doing ourselves any favors. And never mind the egregious calls that the referees make. They've been doing that all year to everybody. You know, I forget who it was we were talking to. It was a couple weeks ago. I think it was Evan uh, from the, you know, previewing the Packer game. I was like, if ever there has been a season to make a case for full-time referees, this is the one. Because this part-time stuff and what we've been getting from these guys is absolutely pathetic. And we got to do something about these rules that are so subjective that, you know, for one guy, whenever the wind blows, he's throwing the flag. For the other one, you have to take Justin Fields and pile drive him into the ground to get an unnecessary roughness call. So, you know, we got we to gotta find some kind of parameters here because it's far too subjective. And the NFL is far too okay with it. So something's got to be done with that. But I digress. We got to stop beating ourselves, you know, in every in every facet from everywhere from from the uh, you know the penalty situation, dropping passes, Darnell Mooney, uh, you know Justin Fields hanging on to the ball uh, too long, uh, the, the offensive line being a swinging gate, and uh, you know play calling, you know that that's been a big one this year. Obviously, it's been a chronic issue all week long, all week long, all season long that whenever we're in a critical situation all of a sudden we go full t- <laughs> we go full telt moron and it just cannot figure out uh the play or every play that we choose the defense sees coming uh, a mile away we've never we've never caught the defense with their pants down on one of those short yarded situations so you know or on a third and five we're running three yard routes uh, and things like that. It's mind-numbingly frustrating to watch that stuff. So, but there's number one. I know you guys are stunned. Stop eating yourselves. Number two, more David Montgomery. Give him the ball in every possible way that you can. Except, except, um, as fun as it can be sometimes, I would like to see the Bears eliminate the Wildcat formation from their offense. Why? Because we have Justin Fields. Okay, it was, This would definitely be something that I would be fully in favor of if uh, we had been playing the whole season with Andy Dalton as our quarterback. We're not fooling anybody with Andy Dalton back there. But with Justin Fields, who is just as great a threat to run as he is to pass, um, we don't have to run the Wildcat formation. We don't need to do that. You know, he can run the football just as well as everybody else. So stop making David Montgomery our Wildcat quarterback unless he's going to crank one out and throw the ball to Justin Fields lined up at wide receiver. You want to be creative and do something like that, knock yourself out. But if he's just going to be there to do the run fake and possibly hang on to it and run it, Justin Fields can do that. We don't need the Wildcat formation when we have Justin Fields. But, again, I digress. David Montgomery is the best football player that we have. Allen Robinson has been damn near useless, and he's also not been on the field most of the second half of this season. So, David Montgomery, the offense should be and should have always been going through him, running the football with him, giving him the ball out in the backfield, you know, out of the backfield, 
getting him out into the flat, which gets him out into open space, which means he's going to make the first guy miss or he's going to break the first tackle. You know, how many times have you seen David Montgomery tackled by the first guy? It doesn't happen often, you know, so we want to get the ball in David Montgomery's hands a lot more. And I think that would be extremely beneficial against this football team on Sunday. So more David Montgomery, more, more, and then some more. Uh, And Khalil Herbert, for Christ's sake, man. I didn't think that he would be a ghost after David Montgomery returned. But it's like, I mean, that's what's even more frustrating is that we're not getting as much David Montgomery as we want, and we are getting almost no Khalil Herbert on top of it. It's like, this is one of the big fundamental problems with with Nagy and his offense and laser and, and things like that. It's like they have no mind for how to use their personnel. Why did David Montgomery coming back mean that basically Khalil Herbert's going to disappear from the offense? What the hell kind of sense does that make? With the way that he ran the football, we didn't technically we didn't really miss David Montgomery while he was while he was out with that knee injury. You know, it's like we're not going to look back on this 2021 season and the four weeks that he was out. They're like, man, we really missed David Montgomery while he was out. I mean, obviously we we did, but it, not to the degree that anyone thought that we would. Khalil Herbert had, you know, like a 100-yard game, a 90-plus yard game. He ran the football very, very well. We didn't lose our running game when David Montgomery was out. And yet, now that Montgomery's back, Khalil Herbert is back to playing special teams and almost nothing else. He's barely sees the field. It's ridiculous. So... But we definitely want more David Montgomery and sprinkle in a little bit more Khalil Herbert as well. But also, when it comes to Montgomery, have a mind for sticking with the hot hand. When Montgomery runs for 12 yards on first down, give him the ball again. And if he only gets one or two on second down, give it to him again. See what happens after that. Because that that was the thing with, with Nagy and the way that he was calling the plays on Monday. Montgomery ran for 12 yards on first down. We get stuffed on second down, and then you wouldn't see Montgomery get the ball again probably for the rest of the drive. It's like, how about you give it to him again? Run a better formation or, you know, run a better play next time, something. Because it's like after, it's just like, just, (laughs) you know, Nagy would give up on the run on that particular, in that particular series. He's like, oh, we have a great, well, let's run it again. Okay, oh, we got stuffed. All right, we, well, let's go ahead and start throwing the ball then. Every time, every time, you know, there, there were no, uh, you know, if, or if we did run the ball, David Montgomery comes off the field, we run some jet sweep with Jakeem Grant or something like that. It's like, anyway, but Montgomery, more Monty. Please give me more Monty. Um, he's the best player we got. So keep him out there, keep him on the field, you know. I was like, unless David Montgomery's in horrible shape, there should never really be a moment he comes off the field. You can add Khalil Herbert to the backfield. There's no rule that says you can't do that. I would really like to see some more formations where the two of them are out there together. But um, apparently we can't do that. There's a quota of tailbacks that we can have on the field at one time. So go figure. And then finally, the last key to the game this week, especially with us playing uh, the younger, shorter version of Justin Fields, or excuse me, the older, shorter version in Russell Wilson, is to stay disciplined 
on defense, especially when it comes to uh, rushing the passer. We're going to want to maintain your gap disciplines. You're going to want to stay, uh, you know, make sure that we're keeping that pocket and just closing it down on Wilson as opposed to, you know, like, you know, instead of keeping and setting the edge, I don't want to see Robert Quinn trying to swim and get to the inside because all you're doing is begging Russell Wilson to roll out and basically fill the void that you just left behind. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's very going to be very important to to maintain that gap discipline. Very important that when we are rushing the passer, it's more about collapsing the pocket around Wilson as opposed to, you know, taking a step to the inside or anything like that, which is just going to open things up. Or like if our interior guys try to go to the outside, you're opening up the middle, begging him to take off running. That's going to be a big part of what the Seahawks do. On Sunday, you'll see that happen. And if, you're, if you see that happen, that means we didn't maintain our gap integrity, uh, our gap discipline uh, on those plays. So, I mean, that's, that's what's going to be very important in the passing game because, like you heard me mention it earlier, you know, this is a football team that's given up 42 sacks in the first 15, uh, 14 games uh, so far. So that's three sacks a game they're, that they're giving up. So we're going to get to Russell Wilson on Sunday. It's going to happen. But it's, it's going to be a matter of how many times and how, much, how many times are we pressuring him to affect him and how he throws the football. Because that's how we're going to win this game. We're going to have to get some kind of pressure on Wilson to force him to make a throw that could, you know, go, you know, sail over somebody's head because he's only 5'10". He's not the tallest quarterback uh, in the league. You get into his face and he's got to try to reach over you. That ball is not going to fly the way that he wants it to. Could land in somebody's hands, could get tipped up in the air, that kind of thing. So I'm not really worried about Seattle's running game, but I am worried about Russell Wilson's feet in that regard because he is dangerous running the football and he's more dangerous when he's scrambling. They don't really design runs for him. He gets his yardage in those situations where he's back there passing, and this is a guy that will sit back there and wait for people to get open. He's like the, you know, he's like the black Ben Roethlisberger. He's going to sit back there and wait for somebody to get open, and it's up to his offensive line to keep him upright. So he's going to take a lot of sacks. So it's just going to be about us being disciplined and making sure that we're closing down the pocket as opposed to trying to get cute and cut inside or step to the outside opening up some kind of gap for him to run through and, you know, break free and get to the second level, get a first down and, and all that kind of stuff, extend the drive when we, we almost had him, kind of thing. So we do those three things. I think we'll be okay on Sunday. I mean, it's a five and nine versus four and 10 matchup. It's basically anybody's game and um, you know, we'll see what happens. Hopefully the bears can figure out how to get into the end zone and, uh, you know, maybe put some points on that best scoring defense in the NFL. Uh, it's not likely to happen, but it would be nice if it did. So anyway, guys, that is going to do it for the week 16 deep dive preview episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Come back on Monday when we will do bear up and bear down, see how this football game went. And, um, you know, did the Bears pull it off? Did did we lose number nine out of 10 and we're four and 11 and uh, we got, you know, the giants coming up on new year's or the day after new year's and things like that. And we'll talk about that and a whole lot more uh, on Monday guys. Again, 
Thank you for listening here on Christmas and spending the holiday with me. And, uh, you know, I appreciate your listenership. Like I, I mentioned uh, on the last episode, uh, I've been looking at the downloads for um, for this month and for this uh, quarter, the fourth quarter of the year, October, November, December. It's going to be the biggest quarter I've ever had. And, uh, you know, I'm very grateful, very thankful to you guys uh, for making that uh, possible, listening to the show uh, and everything like that. Let's keep it going into 2022 because it's going to be an interesting year. We're going to have a new head coach for sure. Will we have a general manager? Will we have a president of football operations? And how is that going to affect 2022 and beyond? Looking forward to answering all those questions and then some. So come back on Monday for Bear Up and Bear Down. And until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been the Bears Talk Underground. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Look around. 
You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.